I don't ever think it really was a debate, but it's definitely not a debate anymore. Drew Aller is going to be Penn State's starting quarterback in 2023. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into a Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Partnering with PennState.Rivals.com. Locked On Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Visit Happy Valley Insider, PennState.Rivals.com. For everything Penn State Athletics, all the latest in recruiting, the transfer portal with men's basketball, it is all over there at Happy Valley Insider. And yes, it is no longer a debate. I don't know that it really was. Uh, I, I think that it's just good coaching. You make a quarterback battle, you manufacture one, just to make sure that the depth chart feels like it is involved and that the presumed starter doesn't get an inflated ego and doesn't slack off. And I'm not accusing Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, Jackson Smolik, anybody of that. Uh, but I do think it's important to keep things even because it, it is. You're losing Sean Clifford, who's been in the program for six years. And now you're passing the torch on for, I mean, six years, but then four years a starter. And now you have to pass that torch over to now what is going to be Drew Aller. And I, and I saw plenty in the blue-white game. This is going to be a, a full recap of the offensive side of things for Penn State from the blue-white game and just where things are headed for the position group, of course, starting with quarterback going to running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, and then defense will be in a following episode here. But Drew Aller showed me plenty uh, in that game, and he was the, by far the best quarterback, completing 63% of his passes, nine of third, 19 of 30 for 200 yards and a touchdown, and no, most importantly, no turnovers. Uh, that's really the biggest key here. But why Drew Aller is the starter moving forward is for a variety of reasons. It's not just, okay, he's got the arm strength. Uh, yes, there were question marks about his accuracy. I'll get, I'll get to that. But... It's the way that he conducts himself in a Mike Yersich offense, pocket presence, okay? He stands in the pocket, and he's not a statue, and he's also not jittery. There's confidence when he steps back, he takes his three-step or his five-step drop back, he looks, he's able to survey and remain in the pocket. Then when the pocket collapses, he's able to slide, he's able to move that pocket mobility. That was something that was fully on display, right? You're going up against, I know you're going up against the scout defense, but in Drew's case, there was quite a bit of pressure from the defensive line. And we'll get to the offensive line and address that, of course. But I, I just think that Drew Aller has impeccable field vision. This quarterback competition, in a sense, reminded me a lot of Tommy Stevens and Trace McSorley back in the day, what, 2016? And Trace McSorley won because he was the better X's and O's quarterback. He was better at dissecting the defense. And I think that's where Drew is because we saw Bo run with both the first team and the second team, and he didn't get as many reps as Drew. But I think that the nuances were there, right? That the coaching staff is convinced that Drew was the starter. That's why you didn't see him go with the white team. That's why he didn't take any reps with the scouting team and why Bo did, because there was a clear hierarchy. It's that Drew is the starter uh, until something completely changed. But there were a lot of positives, and I and I go back to that play where he went through his progressions, and he looked one way. His first wide receiver, his first target was not there. His second one was not there, and then quickly pivoted, and boom, Amari Evans wide open, and that was the only touchdown of the day. 
And there's a lot to take away from that protection held up. Drew took his time where you saw Bo Prabula maybe have not, not as much time because he was with the scout offensive line, but when there was a little bit of time to sit back and, and relax, it felt like he bailed a little bit too early uh, and, that that might just be his type of game, and that's fine because he is a mobile quarterback. He's going to run, but I, I think there's still a lot of value, especially in Mike Yersich's offense, to stay in the pocket and really go through your progressions, which is what Drew did. When you go through your progressions like that as a 19-year-old, you look like you are a veteran, like you've been doing this for a long time at the college level. The arm strength is obviously there. I just think the field vision, the awareness, that is not a true sophomore quarterback. That is a red shirt junior, uh, if you will. I think Drew, in terms of the way he sees the game, is probably two years ahead of where he is. Now, the there's the inaccuracy, but I, I also want to discuss, again, some more positives, right? There's the progressions. And just Al, Aller's big frame. Aller's... Uh, he's more mobile than people give him credit. He doesn't have the best straight line speed, but I think Aller's most important asset uh, is his size because... He's going to complete passes over the outstretched arms. Uh, anytime those defensive linemen got through, there weren't a lot of passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. And Drew, being as tall as he is, having the big frame, and he's able to survive that contact as well. He's going to be able to push the ball through contact if he does, in fact, get hit. So that's also going to translate to fewer incompletions. That's going to translate to fewer fumbles uh, if the offensive line does surrender some pressure. So uh, Drew's now the negatives, the inaccuracy, and that's there's really nothing, nothing to explain there other than, yeah, he missed some windows. Uh, he was a little indecisive early on. Timing issues with wide receivers, that's going to continue to, you just have to build that. That's going to take, that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in one off season. That's going to take years, especially when you lose Mitchell Tinsley, you lose Parker Washington, and then you get a guy in the transfer portal. You still have one coming in Dante Cephas. There's going to be a lot of things to work through in terms of chemistry. Uh, wobbly passes. That is honestly my biggest concern. Sometimes Drew doesn't always throw the tightest spiral and, I don't, I don't know what that means as far as how is that going to translate to wide receivers when they go and catch it because you want it to be a clean pass. But also at the same time, I think that receivers might struggle if the pass hits them in the hands and the spiral is not what it should be. So I, I think that we, we saw that a little bit in his freshman debut throughout the course of the season when he came in late in action. I think it was it was first noticed in the Purdue game, of course, because that was his first opportunity in live action. But the wobbly passes still continue a little bit, um, and that's kind of what leads to the inaccuracy uh, and what could lead to drops by wide receivers. For Bo Perbula, I will give him credit. He stood tough against the first string defense. Uh, he showed he showed me that he was a little behind in terms of reading defenses, which is what I pointed out here to start the show. Um, and I thought that he was quick to move outside the pocket, but that's his strength, the mobility. That is going to be key for Bo if and when he's on the field. And then Jackson Smolik, really nothing to report here. He's clearly the third guy on the depth chart. Uh, bad first series of his career in Beaver Stadium. Uh, you got a feel with the with the bad snap and then falling to the ground. And then that's a that is a sack because he he fell. He didn't need to be touched. But he is the third guy and he needs to be ready to go in any circumstance. And 
I think at the end of the day, I would still try to get a veteran quarterback in the transfer portal. I just would. It can't hurt. Michigan and Ohio State did it. They got veterans. Uh, there's no shame in trying to get a grad transfer to see uh, if there's any, maybe even another young quarterback that is clearly the third, but someone that can just be uh, just, again, added competition, depth in case of an emergency. And I've already advocated for this. And the last thing we really learned from the blue and white game when it comes to the quarterbacks, Aller and Perbula were targeting mostly underneath routes throughout this game against the white defense. And that's not surprising because Mike Yersich is not going to pull out all the stops on a spring game that is televised, that can be used as bulletin board material that can be used in, in practices. You are going to take the easy stuff. You're going to go with the quick screens. You're going to go with the drag routes. You're just trying to see if the players learned what they did and were able to take it in this kind of atmosphere uh, after the end of spring practices. So this is not surprising. This is not concerning. The defense, uh, the first string defense anyway, the blue defense was very difficult. But the white defense, who consisted of mostly freshman linebackers uh, who were in zone, who ran man, who didn't, who misunderstood some assignments here and there, uh, that is what inexperienced young linebackers are going to do in coverage. They are going to give you the easy stuff over the middle. So Drew wisely took those routes. Uh, they're not going to plan anything flashy in a practice. It is locked on a Nittany Lions running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line coming up here. But first, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is Built. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something you do not want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops of unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to built.com Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what the hype is all about. And I can't wait to see what this new flavor is either. Make sure to use promo code locked on 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That is locked on 15 and locked on Nittany lines, your go-to podcast for Penn state rivals and visit happyvalleyinsider.com. You can see my final notebook for spring practice. Again, that was the fifth that blue and white game. It's fun. It's tradition. Great to see it every year. It's everyone craving Penn State's first football game. It's kind of that bridge to September, but it is a practice, and it's the 15th practice that the NCAA allows. So uh, there, I wrote up one final notebook, and you can see that at happyvalleyinsider.com to get expanded thoughts uh, through through this, this way or through the written way. Running back. Okay. Running back is a little easier here because this, this practice, this scrimmage was not about seeing what your two perennial Heisman contenders could do. I expected to see little of Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, and that's exactly what we got. Singleton, six carries, 11 rushing yards, no receptions. Catron Allen, four rushes, 15 yards, no receptions. No surprise. Don't, don't be worried. This is essentially James Franklin, Mike Yersich, the team protecting your best assets on offense. And, and what I learned from the blue and white game, Tyler Holtzworth and Emil Davis are not bad. They, they are not bottom feeders. Yes, they are lower on the depth chart, but they are very good and honestly could play in a lot of other places or be serious contributors at, at the Division I level. Uh, I would say start at a host of schools that aren't as necessarily power five, but they could definitely be serious contributors and start anywhere else. And they showed that honestly, Emil Davis, in my opinion, had the best day out of any running back. Um, and 
just it, it's nice and refreshing to see that. I hope they don't have to get on the field a lot, but if they do in emergency situations, I, I feel confident that with that offensive line, with Drew Aller as the quarterback and an evolving passing game, that they'd be fine with all of the other players they have around them. They wouldn't be set up to fail, if that makes sense. So there's not a lot to discuss about your main assets. You're not going to put your two Heisman contenders out there in Singleton and Allen. You had more to see from the quarterbacks and the wide receivers anyway. There's more to prove at this point because Sean Clifford no longer there. First year starter, new starting wide receivers with Washington and Tinsley going into the draft. Depth is good and it's going to get better with, remember, Trey Potts is coming into town. Trey Potts is transferring from Minnesota to Penn State. So I wish I had to analyze more from the the running back group, but it is pretty straightforward. J1 Sider has done an exceptional job getting this group ready and is going to be, they are going to be leaned on for the 2023 season. Now, as for the wide receivers and the tight ends, we're going to group them together as pass catchers, but there's a little more to discuss. So what it's worth, redshirt sophomore Trey Wallace was at the X. Keandre Lambert-Smith was at the Y, the slot position that was vacated by Parker Washington. And Amari Evans was the Z. Now, remember, Kent State transfer Dante Cephas is not on campus yet. He's coming in, and this could all change when he arrives. Now, I still don't think the starting three wide receivers are settled yet. Most people would walk away from this game and say that it's KLS. It is Harrison Wallace, Harrison Trey Wallace, and it is Amari Evans. Dante Cephas is not factored in the fold here yet, but I think that you bring in Cephas for a reason. And honestly, James Franklin said that they're looking to target even more wide receivers in the transfer portal. That Kind of that just tells you what you need to know. But Amari Evans has pushed. He's had high praise from his teammates, not necessarily the coaching staff in public, maybe behind the scenes, but he pushed the bar. Did he push it enough? I, great bloom, white game, five receptions, 80 yards, a touchdown on seven targets. He had the lone touchdown of the game. I, I don't mean to take this away from him, but Storm Duck did fall down in coverage. Amari Evans didn't run this electrifying route and juke out his defender. Uh, Storm Duck did happen to fall to the turf. And something else I took away from all of this, uh, Liam Clifford was rumored to have an inside track or at least one of the first opportunities to take that slot position. And and you're watching the game in one of the early plays when Clifford's on the white team. It seems that he's going to be the backup. Maybe him and Caden Saunders are going to be that second slot receiver. But Johnny Dixon leveled Clifford and dropped the pass from Prabula, and then Franklin gave Clifford an earful. I don't think the story's over here. I think that Liam Clifford is going to be, again, second in the rotation. But Caden Saunders made a good push himself, right? Caden Saunders had a really good game. And then later on in the day became the favorite target of Drew Aller. I think mostly in the second half, he had four receptions, 57 yards, eight targets was really getting open, finding the holes in the zone. Again, white defense inexperienced uh, over the middle. So that uh, was going to be fairly easy for two guys that have now had chemistry and time to build together. But also in that backup rotation, Malik McClain, Malik Mega were out with the, the first string white team, the scout team that essentially assumed the, who the starters were on the white team, assumed that they were the backups, the second string to the first team. That That's basically how you can look at that. So Malik McClain, if someone like a Trey Wallace goes out, or an Amari Evans or a Dante Cephas, then he would go in. Same thing with Malik Mega, one of those boundary receivers. And then it's Liam Clifford and Caden Saunders. I think uh, you could rotate the two, but Saunders really impressed me. I didn't really see a whole lot from Clifford. 
and the stats show it too. But uh, somebody else who was pretty active, how about Christian Driver? And at the end of the day, had four receptions, 31 yards on seven targets. Anthony Ivey, Tyler Johnson made plays too. We saw Johnson have the best catch of the day, the diving extension at the end of the first half. Lots of players at wide receiver, but are they making enough of an impact? I don't think so, just based on what Coach Franklin has told us. Are they impact players or are they just a bunch of guys? I, I'm going to lean that they're just a bunch of guys because Franklin wouldn't praise anybody outside of Trey and, and KLS, Keandre Lambert-Smith. That, that was really it. So the third the third wide receiver is still up for grabs, and I think it's going to be Dante Cephas. But Amari Evans will get reps. He will get snaps. He just won't necessarily be the starter when you get the veteran Cephas in on campus. Tight ends. Uh, tight ends were non-existent. Tight ends just... You have to remember that Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, they both had bumps and bruises. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to speculate what kind of injury, but they were not out there. That was something that was made aware uh, early on in the spring season, winter workouts. They weren't being nominated as the tight end of the day, the, the workout warrior of the day by Coach Howell. Uh, but they're your presumed starters. Khalil Dinkins, Jerry Cross, they've received praise uh, because they've had more opportunities to get involved. And when you look at the stats, uh, Jerry Cross was targeted quite a bit. Uh, he had four targets, but only one catch. And then that was really it. Khalil Dinkins had three targets, caught two of them for 14 yards. They were just quiet in terms of scheme, and I don't think they had a whole lot to prove. Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson are your starters. So there really wasn't this debate, okay, what do we need to see from Khalil Dinkins? What do we need to see from Jerry Cross, Joey Schlaffer, when they're not really going to be factored into the game? We just need to know that they can hold their own. And you saw Matthias Mega Barnwell run a few routes for the white team. And I think James Franklin pointed this out, that these tight ends, above all else, need to be able to block. With the emphasis on the running game, that is what they are going to lean on. They don't need them to be these electrifying pass catchers when all is said and done. So that, that's really the assessment for the tight ends. They're just not, they're just not a big part of Mike Yersich's offense. You might get a, a day where again, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren might have five catches, 50 yards, a touchdown or two, but they're not going to be a number one target. The idea is to get those three receivers involved and really lean on this run game. I mean that Singleton and Allen are going to have a lot of attempts, a lot of opportunities when this offense rolls out against West Virginia in September, it is locked on Nittany Lions. The Locked On's mock NFL draft special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience on Locked On Can Deliver. All episodes are available on the Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. So check out check out Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. We'll finish with the offensive line. I don't mean to you know push them off to the end, but everyone finds the quarterbacks, the running backs, and wide receivers a little more interesting, the skilled guys. So the guys in the trenches, they deserve some love. Olu Fashionu didn't dress, don't be concerned, or he did dress, actually. He was dressed, but he did not play. You don't need to injure a, fur, a future top 10 overall pick. He came back. He could have went to the NFL. He's getting his master's degree. He had nothing to prove in this game. Franklin and the coaching staff do not want to risk an injury. Same thing with Singleton and Allen. I don't blame them. Protect your best assets. You don't need to see what they can do in a blue and white game. They have proved everything to this point. So sophomore Drew Shelton was at the starting spot. 
And then I, I look across the line and, you know, guys were cycling in and out uh, the defensive line. We'll talk about this more in the defensive episode. That's going to be right behind this offensive analysis. But uh, defensive line had a good day. And, and that's why people were actually really critical of the way the offensive line played. Uh, just some other things I noticed, you know, Nick Dawkins had that bad snap to Jackson Smolik in, in Smolik's only series. He got a got a feel for the kid, really didn't have an opportunity uh, in Beaver Stadium for the first time. But guys cycled in and out. I thought Hunter Norzad has just transitioned to center very well, playing lots of guard last year. He was a tackle at Cornell, so he can truly do it all. And I feel confident in him at center. Uh, transfer former transfer lineman JB Nelson was swapping in and out at right guard with Sal Wormley. We also saw Nelson at left tackle uh, displaying some valuable versatility. So I'm really excited for this year's offensive line because it will be a strength. But people say it, it's criti it, they're critical of them. They're, they're not as good as advertised. And I don't buy that. I, I really don't buy that because Olu sat out. He's healthy, but you don't need to see anything from him. Okay, Jimmy Chris transferred. I get it. Uh, but he wasn't going to play anyway at the end of the day. I don't I don't know what conversation was uh, was had after the blue-white game, but it probably wasn't a good one, and now he's headed to Virginia. Uh, Drew Shelton can play both sides. Caden Wallace is going to start at right tackle, presumably, but Shelton can play left tackle if Olu needs a break uh, or if Caden Wallace needs a break or if Shelton is able to push for that right tackle spot he said Norzad proves that he belongs uh, as the starting center. He's smart. He's intelligent. This is his sixth year of football. Landon Tangwall is back and healthy. He played a lot for the blue team. The starting line is all veterans. They're all intelligent veterans. They're all multi-year starters. And then the backups to go along with that. The high praise about Vanga Yuane and him being 370 pounds and he can move so well. Uh, J.B. Nelson has mentioned Nick Dawkins, Shelton. And then don't forget about the freshmen, the talented freshmen that are going to be third stringers, but they have so much to learn with all the potential in the world. Javen Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donko, Chimney Ono, who's still not on campus yet. Those three guys were early enrollees. The line is fine. Okay. The line is going to be fine. What impresses me even more, and this all uses a segue to the defense, the defensive line is going to be special, but they do have some glaring depth issues in the interior and Penn state's got to find a plan for that. But if you're concerned about the offensive line play, Penn state's got four defensive ends that could start anywhere in the country. And I genuinely mean that it is locked on Nittany lines. Thank you for joining me on this edition and talking about the offensive, just the offensive side of the football for Penn state following the blue and white game and everything that they'll carry into the summer. And then when practices begin for West Virginia and the 2023 season defense, is up next. So check out this episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe, follow along wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for a thousand subscribers on YouTube. All your support means so much to me. And for everything Penn State football, men's basketball, and all the other sports, keep it right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.